0: Welcome to Back to My Garden.
1: Discover your passion for gardening. Here's Dave Ledoux. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world when you listen to this. I'm Dave Ledoux, and welcome to another episode of Back to My Garden. Tremendous episode today, folks. Ruth loves the way her conservatory garden lifts her spirits during the cold winter months. She is a celebrated author of 10 books for both kids and grown-ups on science, history, and gardening. Ruth's brand new book is called A Garden of Marvels and explores the untold history of the first botanists and extraordinary plants. We have a lot to discuss. We're never going to fit it into one episode, but we'll do our best. Please welcome uh, from the East Coast of the United States under uh, very cold temperatures, Ruth Cassinger. Hi, Ruth.
0: Hi Dave, thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here.
1: Thank you for braving the winter months and we have listeners from all over the world who don't know what snow is, so maybe we'll touch on four season gardening, but welcome to the show. I give you a little brief introduction. I want to hear your stories and our listeners want to know you better. Can you take a minute or two and just uh, tell us a little bit about your background and how did you discover gardening?
0: Well, I am uh, as you mentioned, I've written um, ten books on science and the history of science. But about uh, five years ago, I became interested in indoor gardening, and that was a quite a departure for me. My husband is the real gardener in the family, and uh, he travels quite a bit, and when he traveled, he would ask me at least to go out and pick the vegetables out of his small backyard vegetable garden. And uh, to me, gardening was a chore. Uh, I didn't like being out in the heat of the East Coast uh, summers. It's very hot and humid. I live near Washington, D.C. And there are mosquitoes and humidity and little creepy crawly things that would sneak up my legs and i just was not i was not a gardener and even doing the the harvesting i would find myself reaching down to pull off pull out a a zucchini off of a vine and discover that i was too late and my fingers sank into the underside so it was kind of a a family joke that Ruth was not a gardener. But um when I was about forty I'd had a a couple of bad things happen to me. Um my younger sister had recently passed away. She'd had a brain tumor and then shortly after that I discovered that I had breast cancer and all turned out well on that, but you know, it was not a cheery, optimistic time in my life. I was doing some um, consulting work on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and coming home one gray, dreary January evening, and about to catch the the metro, which is our subway here, and as I walked to the metro, I went by the United States Botanic Garden. And the Botanic Garden has a very large glass conservatory. Um, I hadn't been in it in quite some time, uh, especially since it had been closed for about four years for renovations. And as I was going home, I thought, let me just poke my head in there because I saw a sign that said that it was now open. And it was about 4.30, and the, the sign said that the building would close at 5. But in any case, I, I walked in, and these wonderful glass doors swooshed open. And I walked into this marvelous, green, jungle-like atmosphere. It was warm, and the air was moist at a time when it was freezing cold outside, and I spent a fantastic half hour there, and the conservatory just stayed on my mind. And I thought about it and decided that that this place lifted my spirit so much that I wanted to have a home conservatory. And that was the beginning of of this adventure of building a conservatory, which is the story of... I wrote the story in my first book for adults um, called Paradise Under Glass. And that was the, that was the beginning. Um, I did feel like I needed to test my ability to grow plants because I'd been so garden-averse But I thought, you know, this is indoor gardening. I don't have to worry about creepy crawly things. I can do this uh, inside where it's not too hot and it's not too humid and there are no mosquitoes. Uh, I had been given a small plant as a uh, present for the birth of my third daughter and I didn't know what the plant was, but it was had been sitting on our floor in a pot for about twelve years, and had done really poorly. And I have written about the the story of trying to rescue this plant, um, which I which I did with the help of some gardening experts. It turned out to be a spathiphyllum or a peace lily, which is probably the easiest indoor plant most satisfying to grow because it has a wonderful white uh, spade, like a flower. I did rescue it, and it was off to the races.
1: Fantastic. Now, for those of you listening to me, Ruth and I are going to chat for gardening about 20 minutes. I'll take all the notes for you. Don't try to leave your cars and take notes with your thumbs. You can visit Ruth on the web. If you're on Twitter, all you social media people, you can follow her at R-K-A-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. Make sure you check out Ruth's home site, her blog and resource website at www.ruthcassinger.com. That's R-U-T-H-K-A-S-S-I-N-G-E-R. And a brand new site, we're going to get to this for sure, it's www.gardenofmarvels.com. You made me smile, Ruth, when you are telling that story about the peace lily. I've literally just returned from Niagara Falls. Now, this will be a little time capsule, but on the weekend, it was frozen solid. It was 25 below with the wind chill, and Niagara Falls was frozen solid. And people came from all over the world to see the frozen falls, including me and my wife. And we came home yesterday, and I have a little indoor vegetable garden. And we have nine red tomatoes. In the middle of February, so it was like a little... Wow. I know, so so welcoming. Um, I'm supposed to remind you to tell the kumquat story.
0: Well, you know, among what I discovered over time uh, was that I really liked growing in, in our conservatory um, citrus trees. And there just is nothing... For a for someone who doesn't live in a in a semi-tropical climate, nothing like seeing uh, citrus trees bloom and produce their fruit in the middle of winter. It's it's a delight. Um, one of the trees that I have, I have two kumquat trees, and they're about as tall as I am. So. A little bit over five feet, and I had cherished these these trees, but I was having some difficulty. One after about nine years of growing them, uh, one spring they dropped all of all of their leaves, or almost all. They only the leaves at the very tips were still green. So it looked like this tree was holding up bare arms, wearing green gloves on the end. And I knew, you know, by this time, I knew some basics of, of gardening, indoor gardening. Um, and I did, But I didn't know what to do about this phenomenon. And I took a page out of my husband's book. I had seen him prune crepe myrtles and knock out roses outdoors, and I, I had seen what he did, which was to cut back those plants very hard. And I thought, well, okay, I, I think I'll solve this problem by giving my kumquat tree a, a good pruning. Then she'll, she will, I thought of her as a she, then she'll put out new branches and new leaves and be full and beautiful again. So I went ahead and did that. And the problem was she turned completely brown and brittle. I, I had killed my beloved kumquat tree. This inspired me. Uh, this was the inspiration for my second book uh, on gardening, uh, A Garden of Marvels, uh, that came out earlier this year. What I wanted to know is what happen physiologically. Why, why in terms of biology did does pruning work for one kind of plant, but obviously not every kind of plant? And so I undertook another journey, and this one was to really educate myself in a sci- more than a scientific way about what makes plants work. And I thought long and hard about how to do this. I don't have a a serious science background. So I had gone to the library and I had tried to read a freshman college textbook and found it was more than I could handle. And I thought, you know, what I like are stories. And A Garden of Marvels is filled with stories about people and plants And what I wanted to find out was whether I could go on a bit of a historical journey and go back to the early days of botany, back in the late 1600s, early 1700s, when people first began to understand the way plants work. Because I thought, I'll learn the basics along with men and women who um, learned the basics of plant physiology themselves and I discovered that there's a wonderful untold history full of interesting people um, that is quite helpful was quite helpful to me as a gardener in terms of understanding the basics like how does water move up from the roots to the top of an oak tree, and what is it? What force is it? How does it work? That uh, that plants can imbibe water that way. Um, what is it about petals? Why why the colors? And why can you even find flowers often that have you know, plants that have different colored flowers on them? You know, just a host of questions about the way plants work. So I. Wrote about these interesting people and uh, visited experts around the country, uh, including, for example, a man who grows, who grew the world's largest pumpkin a couple of years ago, to discover, you know, what does it take physiologically to grow a two-thousand-pound pumpkin?
1: Wow, <laughs> I love it. We have a lot of listeners, Ruth who dream about one day writing a book. A lot of them are gardeners, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about your process? Are you a morning writer, a nighttime writer, and how come you don't quit when you get frustrated writing a book?
0: <laughs> well, I am a an around-the-clock writer. Um, I'm fortunate enough that I have a an attic office, and... Um, Morning is my best time, but uh, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not someone who can sit down and write. We just simply sit down for hours at a time. So I pop up and down during the day. I write for a little while. I research for a little while. Then I run downstairs and water a plant or run an errand, and then I'm back upstairs working again, talking to people, uh, arranging travel, because I, for example, I just got back from Korea, uh, where I was for my next book. Um, But I, I will work from morning till night that way. Um, Probably put in eight hours, but it's definitely not straight. Mm.
1: Got it. Now, for those of you listening, there's a number of different ways you can get Ruth's books. You can Go uh, to gardenofmarvels.com dot com for the new book, uh, ruthcassinger.com dot com for all the books, and then of course you're on Amazon, right?
0: Oh yes, yes, and you can you can find my books at any bookstore.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful. What I love about Amazon is it's so easy to give them as gifts, especially if somebody <laughs> has a Kindle.
0: Yes, uh, yes, and I should tell you that um, last week my a Garden of Marvels made the. New York Times bestseller list for science books.
1: Wow, congratulations.
0: Thank you very much.
1: You're a distinguished company. (laughs) Uh, Now, I have to hold your feet to the fire. All the listeners want to know the gardening side of things is you started with a piece, Lily. Can you walk us through your garden today? What brings you joy? And is anything frustrating you? Well,
0: I think the... the um, plant that I would most recommend, and that gives me the most pleasure because it's easy, and it's beautiful, and it's quite unusual, uh, at least in uh, northern climates, is a coffee tree. I started off with a six-inch coffee tree. I think I bought it from Logies, in it's an online store headquartered in Danielson, Connecticut. L O G E E S um, and nurtured that coffee plant. Today it's uh, about six feet tall. It's great because the coffee is shade grown, so you don't need a lot, you don't need direct sunlight. Um, you can put it in the northern, eastern or even western facing window. And throughout the year it will produce Pretty little white blossoms and then coffee cherries. And the cherries are bright red and inside them are two coffee beans. And you can even pick them and roast them in your oven and make yourself your own cup of coffee. So that that is that plant is high on my list.
1: Yeah, I like uh, it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now in terms of frustrations, um uh, to go back to the citrus trees there are two citrus there are two citrus trees varieties that are easy and I feel like everybody can do that's the calamondin orange and a Meyer lemon but oh, and the kumquat trees are easy as well but there are a lot of more exotic citrus trees that I've been unable to resist trying that are a frustration Uh, don't really have enough light, but more than that, they're susceptible to mealybugs and um, spider mites. And I must say that my gardening, as a gardener, the biggest frustration for me is always the inevitable pests. But, you know, horticultural oil, um, a safe soap. I've even tried uh, beneficial bugs a combination works, but it is a lot of effort.
1: Ah, very good. Meyer Lemon, I wrote that down because I have some Meyer Lemon oil that we use in cooking. And mm-hmm. um, my mother in law has the unique ability to like steal a leaf off anything and grow it. She's just got that <laughs> skill set. Um, you familiar with something called a loquat?
0: Yes, it's a combination, isn't it, of a kumquat and something else? Lime?
1: Perhaps. Yeah, like a, it, it's just an oddity that my mother-in-law is growing, and uh, being in Canada, it's obviously an indoor plant. It's like a roommate for the house, but uh, we have a well, key yeah. lime growing.
0: Yes, key, I, I once had a key lime, and they, they, those were wonderful, too, and, and so nice for gin and tonics.
1: Exactly. There's a lot of, a lot of practical applications. Uh, I understand, though. I mean, we take it outside. Uh, we lost a grapefruit tree that we had grown for like seven or eight years to, uh, to spiders. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the bug was, it just killed it. So they must be awfully tasty to the, to the bugs.
0: Yes. You know, it's, it's easier if you don't grow these plants too big. Um, I find that taking them into the shower and giving them a, a shower once a week without soap, but just really hosing them down goes a long way to keeping them bug-free. Um, but I have to say some of mine have gotten too large for that. But these, these tropical plants uh, in the winter, I find they really, they really do help my spirits. Nice.
1: You know, Ruth, I just glanced at the clock and our time is flying by. And now is the time in the show where we play a game called Five Quick Questions. This is your chance (laughs) to share your wisdom and experience with novice beginner gardeners. Are you ready to play?
0: I guess so. (laughs)
1: Question number one. Uh, What's the funniest or most embarrassing mistake you've made in your garden that you're willing to admit to in public?
0: Ooh, these are hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I would I would say using uh, the the wrong fertilizer on on a plant, not paying attention, using a bud and bloom fertilizer on a cactus on a cactus, and realizing you know after many months that I had I had completely blown it.
1: I'm very guilty of that, both with like steroids and water, like more is better it's just
0: <laughs> right I've
1: drowned, so my wife just what are you doing? you know I just
0: <laughs> I know, I know, and we forget that that roots are um oxygen breathers, and so if we put put a lot of water into them, they are definitely going to die because they're they're just like we are, you know the leaves. The leaves are happy to exude oxygen, but the roots need oxygen. Mm.
1: Good stuff. Uh, Question two If you were only allowed to grow one plant, they just passed a rule and said, Ruth, you can only grow one plant this year. (laughs) What plant, on a personal note, would you just have to grow?
0: Well, I can, I'm afraid I have to say a uh, kumquat tree. Uh, They're just, they're, the right size they're durable um, and they're so beautiful and of course you can eat the fruit right off the tree
1: I love it question three is about websites I want everyone listening to head over to Ruth's website at com. you can visit her new book site at gardenofmarvels.com do you have one or two favorite internet websites for gardening that you use like a resource that you could recommend
0: I, I go to Dave's Garden a lot. I, I think that's a wonderful resource. Mm-hmm. Um, both um, So many users who are great about answering questions, and they just have a lot of information. Um, I also go to the Logi's website for uh, indoor and tropical plants because they, too, have uh, excellent... Um, descriptions of plants and tell you how to nurture them and what their requirements are so you you're less likely to make a mistake of thinking oh it's so beautiful I must have it when you realize that no you don't have quite that sunny a windowsill
1: Excellent. Uh, listeners, I'll have a link up to both Dave's Garden and Logies. I have a link for you, Ruth, if you're into uh-huh. exotics. My yes. friend John, and especially for listeners overseas, he runs a website called Tropical Britain. And he uh, he's from New Zealand, right? So you can imagine the climate over there. And he imports things that'll sort of grow into the UK and, of course, lots of exotics that grow Uh they're big into zone pushing over there. I guess for you though, you're okay. an indoor gardener. You you can push whatever zone you want.
0: That's right. I have I, I can do the full range, but uh, I'm sure that there are um, there's a lot of valuable information at that site.
1: I will definitely look that up. I just love seeing plants, and you go, "What is that?" You know, those are the, <laughs> the you know things that your neighbor will never grow, and they you know it creates curiosity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, number four, uh, being an author, do you have any favorite gardening books that you can recommend?
0: Um, well, you know, the first thing that popped into my mind because um, because I'm a, you know I'm also interested in the history of gardening uh, is a book that's out of print, but is fun to to get and and look into it's called once upon a windowsill and has a lot of great and great stories itself about uh, plant hunting and and uh, how some of the tropical plants came to be in in our country in in countries outside of their native lands
1: let's slide in a little uh... Sneak peek at Garden of Marvels. When you were doing the research for your book, what's a little uh, wow moment that you had? Mm. Or a nugget that you can't believe really happened, especially with regard to the old botanists?
0: Um, there was a wonderful story, uh, you know, the story of the discovery that plants have sex is a great one and all throughout the um, middle ages and into the renaissance people associated plants and flowers flowers especially with the virgin mary and so no one could conceive that flowers would have anything to do with sex when of course that's the the sole reason for their being And there was a great story about a gardener at the King's Garden in Paris, who in 1717, he was not the chief gardener. In fact, he was looked down upon because he was not of the upper classes. And he understood that flowers are all about sex. And one day when his superior was out of town, he gave a lecture, which he advertised beforehand about sex and flowers. And it was that lecture on June 10th, 1717, that really shattered old ideas and um, led quite directly to Linnaeus coming up with his whole system of classification of flowers by the numbers of stamens and pistils in the flowers. In other words, it was a sexual classification. And I tell the story of this gardener, Sebastian Véillon, in, in my book. He, was, he created quite a stir.
1: Excellent. Let's slide in question number five. You ready, Ruth? Yes, I am. Is there anything you've never grown that you would love to experiment with?
0: I'd love to have an avocado tree. Ooh. (laughs) I love avocados, and I've seen them in the South and have always wanted to have my own. I like the idea of picking my own avocado for dinner.
1: I've asked this question on a hundred podcasts and that's the first avocado. That's <laughs> awesome. Very good. Very good.
0: I guess the way of my heart is through my stomach.
1: <laughs> I understand. Listeners. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Make sure you head over to Ruth's website at www.ruthcassenger.com. Remember there's two S's. You can follow Ruth on Twitter. Check out her new book at www.gardenofmarvels.com. Uh, plus on Amazon, plus in all the bookstores. Especially if you have a friend into science and botany. Wow, what a gift. Ruth, you've been an amazing guest. Lots of good content.
0: Well, thank you very much for inviting me. It's really been a pleasure.
1: We have listeners now in 62 countries around the world, which I can't even conceive. It's amazing. Thank you all for listening. Ruth, I want to invite you to have the last word to the listeners today. Can you leave us with either... A note of encouragement or a pearl of wisdom?
0: Well, here's the note of encouragement that um, as gardening averse as I was, as brown-thumbed as I am, um, understanding a little bit about the science behind plants, it doesn't take much, but a little science, understanding of science goes a long way to making a successful gardener.
1: Outstanding. Ruth, thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Thank you very much.